Hello and welcome to the two-parter of the SpongeBob AI generated episodes. Doing a spin-off this time. Holy crap. Called the SpongeBob Seaside Chronicles. So, for all of you who did not get to listen to the last episode, um please go watch it first. Listen to it first. This is a podcast, John. <laughs> um in the last episode we were generating ai made plots for spongebob episodes and seeing just how well ai could hold up um it did punch its weight pretty well to be honest it did a couple good episodes but while we were trying to do our third episode um it gave us an idea of a full spinoff with a five episode list main characters and their roles Plot summaries, settings, settings themes. Uh, um, so... To, like, a full, full-on, like, idea. Like, yeah. what you would send into, like, a, uh, what is it called? A director or a company or something like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> with all that said, um, we don't think it got it from anywhere. Um... And so this is directly after we were done recording the last episode. We started this one. We're just going to go through it just like we were doing the other episodes. We're going to take shorter looks at the episodes because they're only vague plot synopsis for each of the five that we have. Um, we might, after we look at the five episodes, we might even spitball another one. Who knows? Um, let's get right into it. Um, first of all, um, Spongebob Seaside Chronicles. Um, I do like that title. I do like that title. I do feel like I would definitely wear a shirt. Because there is a lot you could do for logo design with that. Obviously. Okay, so the plot summary. Spongebob's Seaside Chronicles takes place in a beautiful and mysterious underwater city of Coralopolis, situated far from Bikini Bottom. The series follows Spongebob Squarepants as he embarks on a new adventure, leaving his job at the Crusty Crab to become a travel journalist. Wow. Wow, that's crazy. He, he like, because in the episodes of Spongebob, like, he gives this like, wow. sense of never leaving the Krusty Krab. Yeah. Like, he's in love with the I mean, Krab. first of all, I'm not going to, like, throw down this concept. We're very early on into reading what I this would like this be. I do like the idea of him doing something else for once. Me too. But let's talk about the implications of this for a second. Because... Over the several hundred episodes of Spongebob, there are many where he is fired, forced to take a break. And he still goes back to the Krusty Krab. But notice every time that happens, Krusty Krab fails. Without him. <laughs> so, I'm led to believe that if this would happen, there would be no, there Krusty, would be Krab. no Krusty Krab. So, the Krusty Krab... As far as I would be concerned, in the background would be a dead business. Or at least a struggling one. Right. Um, Unless they can find another fry cook in Bikini Bottom that's half as 
put a SpongeBob. Yeah. So I feel like if it wasn't a dead business, it would certainly go pretty far south and be much less profitable. Um, that being said, um, let's continue. In this spinoff, SpongeBob's dream is to explore every corner of the vast ocean and share the wonders and stories of different underwater civilizations. Along with his best friend Patrick, who joins him as the camera operator, they create a vlog-style show that airs on a channel back in Bikini Bottom. Awesome! I kind of like this Okay, concept. so it's kind of travel um, uh, channel impact. style towards Bikini Bottom. Right. Okay, alright. Like um, Main characters. So Spongebob, as we've talked about. Is our beloved our lovable and optimistic sponge, now as the curious, adventurous travel journalist. Patrick, best friend and camera operator, although he's not the most competent, his comic relief is priceless. <laughs> um, in recent SpongeBob, um, I could beg to differ, but right. I mean, it's it's being optimistic. I'm not going to take Sandy that away. Seeks, a brilliant scientist and inventor who occasionally joins them on their adventures. Awesome! So they even got Sandy in there. Oh. Squidward Tentacles. Now the new manager of the Krusty Krab, Squidward provides sarcastic commentary from time to time. Cool. What? Gary, SpongeBob's loyal pet Snell, who is has a secret talent for finding hidden gems and artifacts. Okay, I'm going to back up to Squidward. So this confirms at least, um, by the way, we are not reading ahead, so. So this kind of does confirm. This does confirm that, the, he, that uh, Krusty Krab isn't dead. Right, and it kind of does confirm that he, you know, can uh, finally be happy. I mean, he's the new manager. <laughs> he's still um, sarcastic. I never, see though. no mention of Krabs. So I wonder if he retired. I wonder if he retired. Well, it said that Squidward was a new manager, so... I mean, remember though, Krusty Krab 2 in the first movie, Spongebob was supposed to run the Krusty Krab 2 at the end. Oh. So I'm I'm wondering if Krabs is retired. Oh. Um, I do think that having um, Gary be a... Kind of treasure finding snail is kind of cool, that is cool especially <laughs> because there is an episode of the main series where there's a magnet in this shell that pulls coins and stuff right. and it feels kind of like a semi callback to that um overall i think the roles that are in place here are pretty I nice because like i think they're real, real nice for each character um i'm gonna go ahead and kind of like go on a bit of a tangent to tell you i'm hoping if they were to do this they would make a whole new extra set like you know the the fish in the background um you know all your background characters would need to be scrapped and made new because right. he's in new locations See, you, know the problem, you can't use old man jenkins or fred right with the fact that they could have came up with something good like this instead of like making a spinoff with Patrick 
Like, even, even a chat GPT could come up with a freaking good spin-off. <laughs> Look, the actual writer. I I am all for making this an episode about like ripping Patrick show a new ass. But, but we, like we've got better things to do. <laughs> Look, I am willing to open the soapbox. I am. Not today. <laughs> Just like with the Velma show. In the short-lived cartoons episode, I'm not doing that right now. And we gotta get back on topic. Okay, so and get to the setting. Um, the setting. And it says Coralopolis is a hard thing to say. First of all, Coralopolis is an underwater city with advanced technology, bustling markets, and diverse sea creatures from different backgrounds and cultures. Each episode. And take SpongeBob and Patrick to a new location, whether it's an ancient sunken temple, a magical kelp forest, or a bustling metropolis. You see, now, <laughs> I do like the idea of having a big Odyssey style adventure for SpongeBob. <laughs> I do right. think, I do love seeing kind of your new backgrounds in a SpongeBob I, episode. I think it gives it like a. I don't know. I think it gives it, it, gives a, it a worldly new kind feel. Of like feel to it. Yeah, the new, like I said, worldly is the word. Because you get you know, to see cause... more of like the ocean. Yeah. Than just bikini bottom. Now I will say, since it's trying to just be so diverse, one thing is it's got to be a little careful, right? To not be offensive while being diverse, because. Cartoons do tend to oversimplify. Yeah. Like, we want to make sure that nothing mirrors the real world. Like, I wouldn't want to be the one to go into what I'm saying, but I think right. we all know what we I'm saying here. Say, though, yeah, like, it's, it's kind of those things like, we don't want to, I guess I'll just use an example here is, we don't want to have a Chinatown-style place in Spongebob that's so oversimplified to be in a cartoon that it becomes a little offensive. Right. They would have to come up with completely original country-style things and new traditions and stuff. Because if you don't, you end up alienating your audience. And I do think that's actually a problem. Right. Um, I do like the idea of there being a new setting each time, because, again, that's kind of the concept of this whole show. <laughs> but, again, it's a thin line that we have to walk right. if they would do that. Okay. I thought that was worth mentioning. This is probably where we're going to spend the majority of our runtime, is the here episodes. in the episodes, because... I'd like to expand each of the episode ideas if we can. Right. Um, the first one, I actually the already know one thing I want to do with this episode that I'll get into here in a second. And this is called the Kelp Forest Enigma. So, SpongeBob and Patrick explore a dense kelp forest with strange and wondrous creatures. They must uncover the mystery behind the forest's guardian to reveal its secrets. Um, I like that. It's kind of cute. Yes. As much as I don't want to kind of blow the concept I have all at once, it's kind of hard not to. Right. But you know who I think should be, like, 
the guardian mystery the seahorse <gasps> seahorse that would be so yeah crazy. because it's a kelp forest right she and did canonically go away um she came from a kelp forest didn't she and maybe she could be like because i mean kelp seems like it's something a seahorse would eat in the world of spongebob we never got any kind of confirmation on that right. but maybe that's where seahorses could roam and maybe a few other fantastical fish. Um, right. And so that's kind of my concept for who I think that's the forest awesome guardian concept. should be done. That way we can kind of get a little call back, back to those classic Spongebob that it seems like modern Spongebob writers like to do. Right. But kind of give us context as to where certain characters went. There is a lot of one-off characters in Spongebob that I do think I am still curious after all these years where they went. And I do like that being where mystery went. Right. Um, Number two. The Cursed Lagoon. So, I'm trying to think of anything else about the Kelp Forest oh, okay. Enigma. Um, so, honestly, the Kelp Forest Enigma is actually something... I feel like would be elevated mostly by visuals, you know, like they could kind of go on sort of an Easter egg style hunt or maybe even like a scavenger style. Um, here's a clue to the next clue kind of plot line. I do think that's how the Kelp Forest Enigma might work best. Or maybe they could find like a uh, ancient relic. Oh, and, like, it's a piece of something else right, that yes. they find at the end. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe where mystery is, yes. is alongside that bigger thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's about how we'd have to do something like that. Mm -hmm. Just to keep that mystique about some of uh, the whole episode. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Kelp Forest Enigma... Is one of those that kind of write itself too much to really say much about, right. though. <laughs> so, The Cursed Lagoon, Episode 2. Ardua discovers a lagoon rumored to be cursed. With the help of Sandy's scientific gadgets, they investigate the source of the supposed curse. Ooh, um, maybe it, the curse can be uh, from a... What's his name? A heap. Up in the sky. Oh, the flying, yes, Dutchman. the flying Dutchman. Yeah, Maybe okay. Maybe he cursed the lagoon because, uh, because the people made him mad. Like, oh, you know what? Again. Maybe. Maybe, maybe. Mm -hmm. The reason it's cursed is because his old crew threw him overboard uh, in a mutiny and that's how he died. Yes, and he cursed it because of that. And that's why he cursed it. And there is a cursed gold chest down at the bottom. And so like at the end idea. of the episode, for the actual like vlog style thing they're doing, they get to interview the Flying Dutchman about his origins. And then it Ooh. becomes uncursed. Then he forgives. All right. That See, I, I kind of love so that. Um, <laughs> it kind of... That kind of reminds me of Shanghai in a lot of ways in concept. 
But I think it's kind of like a reverse version of Shanghai. Because <laughs> um, right. in that one, that's the one with the perfume department gag right. and <laughs> them becoming um, uh, like Miss the uh, Flying Dutchman's uh, crew. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah. And I think um, Squidward gets thrown into that dimensional riff yes. with all those really <laughs> creepy things. That's really cool. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm into this. I'm into this. I feel like the Curse Lagoon would yeah. have to be full of slapstick. Unlike the last one where, you know, like your physical comedy. Oh, yeah. Because um, I feel like with the last one... The mystery is enough to carry it as an episode at the Kelp and Forest Enigma. Plus, with this one, I feel like uh, if it didn't have some more, like, different comedy in there, it yeah. might make it a little too serious. Yeah. Because I feel like it could be a very lame thing just to have a Oh, Woe is Me episode for the Flying Dutchman. Right. Because he's too confident and too upbeat to really be... Uh, woe is me, guy. Make it where like uh, they can't touch the water either, because something funny happens if they do. <laughs> Maybe just in a gag out of nowhere, right? Just someone tries to swim in it, like just you know, Patrick. not Patrick. I'm talking oh. like maybe some kind of like oh, you know character. background character <laughs> tries to swim in it. And gets attacked by a massive rubber duck that just comes out of nowhere, or something like that. You know, like <laughs> it something. Into a huge bubble and away. Yeah, it's something like Silly that like is that. horrifying, but it is in the dumbest way possible. <laughs> you know, it can't be something because it is still a SpongeBob property. It can't be anything right. gory or anything. But I feel like it has to be ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Stupid Flying Dutchman has the perfume department and wears a sock on his tail every once in a while. So, I mean, we already know that the Flying Dutchman may be a little, like, mean and all, but he's not the worst dude at. I do like the Flying Dutchman. He's great. Um, number three, A Tale of Two Kingdoms. SpongeBob and Patrick get caught up in the rivalry between two underwater kingdoms trying to bring peace and understanding between the feuding leaders. <gasps> Alright, so. Reading A Tale of Two Kingdoms kind of puts me in the idea of an old SpongeBob episode that I don't even know which season this is from. I'm not even going to attempt to remember. But in this episode... There was a bunch of people reenacting Civil Wars, kind of, and Spongebob and Patrick do a clean and dirty battle. Now, what if this was actually them fighting about clean and dirty, like a full-on <laughs> actual war about it? That somehow that old episode had begun. And so that would be a really cool callback right off the bat. And it could be kind of um, Capulets and Montagues, Romeo and Juliet type fight. Ooh, and throw in a part where, like, uh, they also are feuding because 
their son or the son of the one and the daughter of the other. That's what I'm other. saying. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but not only that, maybe it's not a love thing. Maybe it's that those two are like jealous of the dirty one being clean and the clean one being dirty. <laughs> so they constantly like have the dirty one clean get cleaned up while the dirty one like gets the clean one dirty so that way they can have it their way. Right. And so like whenever their actual sides see what they're doing, they get real pissed off at them. Yeah, and they're just like, it's not that deep. I just don't want to be clean. Yeah, and I don't want to be dirty. <laughs> you know? That's not to be <laughs> um, meanwhile, I do think that as much as I don't like the annoying SpongeBob and Patrick angle, yeah, I feel like their best role would be to make it worse. By <laughs> complete accident, they're trying to help. And they make it worse. But they do make it worse. By trying to show the dirty side how fun bubbles are to play with, which cleans them. And show the other side. How fun it is to dig holes, maybe. Like, Patrick tries to teach him to dig holes, but that gets the clean side dirty and that makes him pissed. And then they declare war on Spongebob and Patrick. Yeah, then they get ran out of town, which leads into number four. DC Masquerade. They stumble upon an underwater masquerade ball where they must find hidden treasure and uncover the identities of mysterious attendants. Ooh. Oh, First of all, cool. they have to. I do love the masquerade ball as an entire concept. I love any kind of media with a masquerade ball, immediately gets a point for me. Um, especially rom-coms. I mean, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, I'm a little sucker for romance. Okay, sorry. Um, just as you guys figured out in episode one, I got a soft spot. <laughs> um, but the Deep Sea Masquerade. Um, I feel like it should start with Sandy giving them kind of a mission to try to figure out who somebody is. Give right. them a motivation to try to like and, it says identities of mysterious attendees. But I think they should be just trying to get one. I do think that's one thing I will kind of veto. Instead of multiple people, they're trying to figure out what one person is. Um and they have only, like, the look of his mask is all they know so far when they get to the dance. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we'd have to put either Spongebob or Patrick in a dress. <laughs> and the other in a tux. And make it where, like, they're, the they're dancing. hit on by people Yeah, kind of like the episode um, where Patrick dresses up as a girl. Yes. <laughs> and everyone thinks he was pretty. Maybe even, like, use that exact, like, maybe Patrick could be that exact female from that episode, but with a a dress, dress. because I think it would be kind of funny. (laughs) And maybe just, like, in one scene, a guy could hit on him, and he'd be like, 
you know, in a girl voice. Oh no, no, I'm not interested. I've got one already. <laughs> and then he tries a few more times. Then Patrick finally uses a real voice and goes, "Beat it, Mac." <laughs> and that would like make the other guy run off. <laughs> oh gosh! Um, obviously, there would be just so much chaos we could cause at a masquerade ball with SpongeBob and Patrick. I think if we sat here, we could come up with infinite jokes, like like we just did. Like, a stupid one where maybe Spongebob... Oh, you know what we need to do with Spongebob? Since we're bringing a call back with Patrick, Spongebob has to wear the tux from the prom episode. Oh, yeah. And he has to wear the wig. I wouldn't say the stilts, though. The stilts kind of messed up everything. Well, they were the cause, so he would obviously remember doing that so he wouldn't take the stilts. You could make it. They could also make it where, like the the treasure that they get for doing it, is a uh, ice cream from that place that they like. Oh, from Gooby Goo. Yes. From Goofy Goombers. They get one for maybe ice cream. like <laughs> there is another um, uh, like restaurant in the chain somewhere in that city. Right. And they get one free ice cream if they do it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. That's what Sandy's like thank you present will be for them helping her out <laughs> um that's awesome that's awesome i like that Ooh. okay <laughs> um robotopia oh gosh <laughs> this okay i'm gonna preface this before we read this this is probably the shortest prompt we have right i haven't read it yet Let's just hope it gives us something. Because it looks awful short. Enter, encounter a city entirely inhabited by robots and must blend in to avoid suspicion while learning the robot's peculiar way of life. You know what they could do with that, actually? There is... I just thought of something really good. What's that? And that is they could actually make it where they have to blend in because the robots actually do not like humans. Hmm. Or, like, because the robots are suspicious of humans, or something like that. Yeah, I could see that working. I'm trying to think of how we could kind of... Because the the main kind of takeaway that I think we should be focusing on in this episode, because that that kind of writes itself as an episode, you know? They go around a robot city... That's kind of a good episode concept on its own. What I think we should really be focusing on, I think you're right on that. They should have to blend in because there's consequences if they don't. Um, We need to think of how the robots live. Like, maybe they have tin underwear. So they have to, like... So they have to, like, literally paint their stuff, like, the color... Yeah, so they have to, like, paint the underwear white. And paint their, like, skin silver. Yeah. Um, (laughs) every once in a while, they'll obviously go and drink oil from an oil bar. And go beep, boop. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe they, like, get some, uh, 
like some kind of remote that beeps or boops when he when they press a button. That way, it's more authentic you know sounding. Cool, like thing though, it, they can make it where like they've been acting like robots so long, like the like the other episodes, like m- mimicry madness, and they think um, they're robots. Yeah, like maybe this is one where they could like, for the last like quarter of the episode, they could be back at Bikini Bottom for a quick visit, and, and they think they're robots, and like. <laughs> During the press conference, because they are doing a TV show, right. maybe they're there to like promote the TV show, answer questions, but they can't stop talking like robots now. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really fun, I think. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So those are the five episodes it gave us. Um, honestly, I was thinking about doing another episode, but. I think these five are very, very good start to the oh, series. We heard the themes. So either. the themes. The series focuses on exploration, friendship, cultural diversity. We'll get back to that. And, and environmental, environmental awareness. awareness. This um, episode teaches values, valuable lessons about acceptance, acceptance, empathy, and the importance of preserving the ocean's beauty. Two things about the themes. I do think this is a very important theme. I think they're right on the nose on what it needs to kind of focus on. But cultural diversity, it's like I said, it's like I said before. They can't base it on real cultures. Um, I want to reiterate that because I do really think with cartoons... It's kind of going to be hard with a Spongebob-style script to not oversimplify things mm-hmm. to being at the point of insulting. Right. Um, I wanted to reiterate that heavily because I do think Spongebob does not have high enough writing to fix something like that. But one thing is preserving the ocean's beauty. Is a really good one. Now, this is a good one. But they may have to put some stuff in Robotopia, like, make them all show that they recycle heavily in the robot town and stuff. Because, oh, I, I mean, yeah, but the big thing is robots would make a lot of waste. Yeah. And so they would have to... They would have to either do recycling, that would be a kind of way to show that in the robot thing. I also think they should explain their energy source and make it some kind of clean energy source that we could find underwater. Like maybe the robots get their charges out of underwater geysers or something. Because we can't just have them powered by gas. I mean, that's just ludicrous. Yeah, that would suck. Because that would actually just be... I I will revoke the oil drinking joke from earlier for this reason. Because I do feel like if it wants to be, like, aware, we can't have that. Um, With Spongebob Seaside Chronicles, we delve deeper into the vast ocean's uncharted territories, meeting fascinating new characters and unexpected. 
uncovering the hidden wonders of the underwater world. The spin-off retains the humor and charm of the original series, while exploring fresh narratives and settings. I like that. So, okay. I did like it. First of all, we are definitely keeping this. Um, we actually have a quick show note from the last episode before I say the next section. We could not, for the life of us, remember to grab the second, uh, like the bubble treasure concept down on text. So, so. Maybe sometime I'll get some kind of text typed up, but kind of don't hold your breath on it. It is very hard to type from from voice, so that might be ixnade for the moment. Right. Sorry, um, we did try to remember. Um, but we do have the entirety of the first AI generated concept. And this whole spinoff in text. Oh, spinoff was awesome. So, I love it. <laughs> first of all, strong spinoff. Um, I do think it's really good how it kind of... I mean, we even had a question about the Krusty Krab. Then, like, two minutes later, we read the explanation for what would happen to the Krusty Krab. Right. It thought of everything. <laughs> um, so, considering... Okay, this is going to be a hard one. Now, considering the add-ons we did to each of the episodes, which one is your favorite? I mean, all five of these are good. Wait, which the episode? Yeah, which one is your um, favorite? Um, mine would have to be the Curse Lagoon. Curse Lagoon, I mean, it is and a the pirate theme. Yeah. Those two. I think those two are great. Kelp Forest Enigma is probably my favorite due to the callbacks that we came up with. And I also do kind of like A Tale of Two Kingdoms myself. It's kind of cute, too. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to pick a favorite. Because there are so many good I ones. think the weakest is Robotopia. Yeah. But that's no surprise because, like I said, it does have the shortest prompt giving us less to work with even though this has nothing to do with it they should make an episode where like spongebob and patrick move over by the crusty crab they did to, to make uh, mr crabs more money they did what yeah there's an episode where i'm uh i never see where it. he does that i see that now <laughs> it's a pretty late season episode um, I'd have to look it up and tell you which one it was. Um, overall, I I absolutely love this unapologetically. Mm-hmm. I think Seaside Chronicles is something I'd love to see a style right. like this. Obviously, Nick would never do something like this exactly the way we have it, but is it bad that I want this? I mean, it's so Nobody good. Should make it, it's There's so other good. People that know how to do like cartoons. Um, they can literally put that they don't own the rights to it. Yeah, just have it a parody almost. Yeah. Right. Um. Either way, um, that has been SpongeBob Seaside Chronicles. Um, please tell us what you think of 
how you would write the first five episodes, kind of like we, you know, we kind of came up with some extra things for each episode. Tell us what you think you would do um, wherever you're listening to this or, you know, comment somewhere. Um, and listen in for more. Thank you all so much for coming to the first two-parter. By the way, I realize we have never done an episode in the same style as the last yet. Each of the episodes have been something different so far. It's not going to be like that forever, we promise. Um, it's just that we had so many good ideas. And this two-parter kind of wasn't really our idea so much as it was the AI's idea. And we just kind of <laughs> and we just, on it more. We just was like, we're too late in the episode to do this. But we have to do this now. <laughs> I mean... What can you do? Either way, thank you guys for coming on by. My name is Ben John, the nerdy. That has been Brit, the beautiful. <laughs> and we'll catch you in the next one.